Day 22, Psalm 22. Hello, friends. Thank you for joining us. Crosspoint Scripture Podcast. We're on a special journey of 40 days in the Psalms as we make our way toward the hinge point of Christianity, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we're on uh, day 22 in Psalm 22, uh, about halfway, a little over halfway through our journey. Hopefully you have been with us, and if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Invite your friends. Tune in and experience this journey with us. I'm going to dive into Psalm 22. It's a little bit longer today. Here we go. Verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, And you, our fathers, trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. And you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the mother's womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt. And my tongue sticks to my jaws and lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. 
All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. I've told some of you about being bullied when I moved to the rural area of northwest Louisiana. It wasn't a very accepting culture for strangers, especially if you came from any place that resembled a city. As a result, I was an outsider And recess wasn't a good time for me. I dreaded it. Because that was when my third grade enemies, guys like Eddie, were turned loose on me. I survived, never had any broken bones, but I learned it's no fun to be bullied. David, the writer of this psalm, spent many years, perhaps 12, on the run from King Saul. David was in line to succeed him as king, anointed, chosen by God. So Saul viewed him as a threat. Not only was he bullied by Saul, he had other threats from the Philistines and some within his family later on. He had faced down Goliath by the time he wrote this psalm, likely. But we clearly see he wasn't immune to the anxiety that bullies can cause. So we read so much of the psalm that talks about his feelings, felt forsaken by God, seemed real. God, why have you forsaken me? He's derided and mocked in verse 7. He feels surrounded, verse 12, verse 16, and all of this causes possibly a loss of appetite when he says, I I can count my bones, verse 17. Suffering is part of life, but sometimes it carries with it the marks of evil. There's a moment when it seems to surpass just that brute instinct of a human enemy and reach to hellish intent. Here's where many have struggled to see God and believe that God is still good. Scholars call this theodicy. Others call it the problem of evil or suffering. And it is to wrestle with two questions in one. If there is a God, why is there suffering? Books have been written on the subject, including most likely the oldest piece of literature in the Bible, Job. I've found some of these books, and certainly the piece that is written in Job, to be very helpful in my own suffering, although unanswered questions remain. This psalm, Psalm 22, helped Jesus in his own suffering. He likely knew this psalm by memory. As he quoted the first verse on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mark 15, 34. When Jesus quoted this, he was identifying with David and with you and with me. So much of the psalm was Jesus' reality. He was surrounded. He was mocked. They cast lots for his garments. He was thirsty. They pierced his hands and feet. All those verses, references are in Psalm 22. And David, speaking of his own suffering, 
we don't know exactly how much of this literally happened to David, but he feels this way. Uh, but it was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. How does this help us when we suffer? What about the faithful Christian who's dying of cancer who can count their bones? Or the one who is beaten in India for their Christian faith? How do we suffer well when as Christians we are increasingly ostracized, canceled for our faith right here in America? One way we deal with it is to come to the foot of the cross with our suffering and see a God who identifies with us. What other God can make such a claim? Who among the other gods of the world can say, I experienced the worst of man's hatred and the height of satanic evil. I felt forsaken by my father and was left to die alone. In the cross, we see a suffering God a God who bleeds, a God who weeps, as Matt Redmond writes. While that doesn't answer all our questions about the problem of evil and suffering, as I stand there gazing upon a Savior who let hell and humans throw their worst at him, I find an answer to the common question, where is God when I suffer? Maybe you're asking that. Where is he? Where was God when I hurt? Where is God when I experience the worst from humans and even hellish intent? Where is God? He is identifying with us in the cross of Jesus Christ. I'd like to share this moment in prayer with you. Perhaps lead you, perhaps you would make these your words in your own verbiage to say, Father, what a privilege it is to come to you, a God who knows what it is to suffer. Your son experienced the rejection of his own people, the hatred of a mob, the worst of evil. And I can say that in Christ, I know a God who weeps, a God who bleeds. There is none like you. You delivered Jesus from death, I'm confident that you will deliver me. My eternal gratitude is not enough to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. May you continue. Perhaps as you consider this psalm, your own suffering, go to the cross with it. Stand there, gaze upon this God who suffers and bleeds and weeps, real tears, real blood, real water that came from his side, real agonies of pain, and somehow your suffering may be swallowed up in that, and you can experience the compassion of a Savior, a God who is touched with the feeling of your weaknesses. Thanks for joining us today. See you next time.